Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen. The Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Well, this program is real. There'll be a lot of coughing today. I've got something stuck in my throat and I'm stuck here for another 56 minutes. So, Michael, if if you hear dead air, it means I'm dead. Dead. Yeah. Now, now, I don't want to be cremated. I don't want to be buried. I want to be put up on some poles and left in the forest. For the vultures to eat. That's right. I, nice. I, I think it's a good thing. I, I, yeah. want to, I want to be useful when I'm dead. Vulture meat. Vulture meat. Well, we don't have vultures here. What do we have here? Eagles. Eagles, yes. Hawks. Hawks, yeah, all those things. Up on a big... You know, I always, I, I always, you know, Dreams was very impressed with the, with, the, with the first people in, in, in North America, you know, some of the groups did that. And if you ever go to Mumbai, you know, the, um, oh, I've forgotten their name, there's a small religious group there, they actually put their people on in the middle of the city on a, because they own the land, obviously, mm-hmm. on, on these things, and the vultures come and eat them, and... In, in Tibet, where it's too hard because of the permafrost to bury yep. people, they just chop them up and chuck them to the vultures. Uh, I like good. it. <laughs> Look at Okay, yes, uh, let's not talk about death. Now, Anarchist World this week. What's Anarchist? Anarchist Society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society based on the creation of pol- political and social structures based on equal decision-making power. That's direct democracy. The people involved in decision make the decision and then appoint or elect delegates to coordinate those decisions the local regional and national level. Sounds hard, doesn't it? Well, it is hard. Direct democracy is hard. It's about people taking direct interest. So at the end of the day, you've only got yourself to blame if you stuff it up. You can't blame the government or the corporations. That's the beauty of being an anarchist. Ultimately, it's your responsibility. And it's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Now, today we're going to spend a fair bit of time... Um, talking about a few things that interest me and they may interest you. I mean, I'm sick and tired about talking about the economy. I'm sick and tired of organising things where 30 people turn up to poke their tongue at Murdoch's people because, you know, because they don't pay tax and get tax, get, and get tax refunds while making billions of dollars of profit. Let's look at something positive. Now, Wednesday the 3rd of June is Marbo Day. And you will find that Marbo Day is becoming less and less and less significant in this country. And most people wouldn't even know what Marbo Day is. 
Well, on the 3rd of June 1992, the High Court delivered a historic judgment that recognised Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders had rights to land in law because of their prior occupation of this land. This little fact took 204 years to become a reality. And those of us who are old enough to remember the Marva High Court decision will remember the consternation it caused among the landed gentry and Australians who thought their backyards was going to be camped on by Indigenous Australians. It's quite an extraordinary period here, 204 years after the colonisation process began in 1992. The High Court makes a little judgement that says that, uh, you know, if people have got a continuous occupation of their land since colonisation began, they've got a right to land in law. So we celebrate Marbo Day. Now Marbo, Eddie Marbo was a Torres Strait Islander. He was expelled from Murr for being a bit of a radical when he was a youth and uh, was living in Townsville. He was a gardener at the University of uh, Townsville. He was a gardener there and he got, you know, he knew his land. He knew his land. He knew that his family, his parents, their parents, their parents, their parents had owned that piece of land for generations, for thousands of years. And he got doing a bit of reading and he eventually became involved with, in 1982, let's try this when it all began, three traditional landowners from the island of Murr in the eastern Torres Strait, Eddie Cocky Mabo, Father Passy and Grandfather Rice, set in train a series of event, events that began in the Queensland courts and in the High Court of Australia that overturned the ridiculous doctrine that Australia was unoccupied terra nullis. Terra nullius, you like that? Land, terra, terra nullius at the time of the British invasion. So it's always a good way to actually claim things that you want when you walk into somebody's home and you say, well, there's nobody here. Although they may be sitting in the other room as you strip the place bare. And this is basically what happened so the High Court of Australia on the 3rd of June ruled that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander interests in land and water survived the assertion of sovereignty by the Crown I mean the judgement caused consternation among Australian landowners poor old poor kid he was you know inundated with people worried about their backyard. And if you listen to the shock jocks, you'd think that somebody was going to take over your backyard. I assume you don't know that uh, when you buy property that you don't own what's actually under the first three or four inches of dirt. That still belongs to the Crown, but that's a different story. Now, it didn't take long for the spirit and letter of the judgment to be buried in bucket loads of extinguishment by successive federal governments. So, 24 years after the High Court judgment gave Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander rights... Sorry, 23 years. Can't even do my maths, can I? 1992, 2015. 23. 23 years after the High Court judgment gave Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders rights to land in law, the question of sovereignty, the extent of native title, and a need for a treaty between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians continues 
despite attempts by successive federal governments to bury the issue, to be the single most important impediment to reconciliation between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. And as we come up to Reconciliation Week and then we come up to NAIDOC Week, it's important that we actually remember those moments in time, those moments in time that have actually changed the course of this history. So we celebrate Mabo Day on the 3rd of June every year. And if you live in the city of Melbourne, there'll be a small gathering, as there usually is, at Federation Square at the corner of Flinders and Swanson Street at midday on Wednesday, the 3rd of June, 2015. And we encourage you to join us. And if you can't join us, we encourage you to get your friends to join us. So next week we'll talk a little bit more about it. But I think the important thing is that uh, we celebrate that day. We highlight the importance of that day uh, to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders and that we remember that the original inhabitants of this land have never ceded sovereignty to the (coughs) Crown because it is still Crown land, isn't it? It still belongs to the Crown. We, We seem to forget that here in good old Australia. Next thing, I'd like to make a few comments about public interest before corporate interest. Well, we started as a standing start and uh, the organisation is beginning to canter along, slowly canter along. Now, I know there are many listeners to this program who despair. The key word is despair of what's happening in this country. And let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. We don't have the numbers to change things on the streets in this country. I'm sure many of you have been to protests across for decades. And some may occasionally capture the public imagination, but it's exceptionally difficult to change things in this country through mass action because there's no mass action. There are individuals and small groups who take action on a regular basis, but as far as mass action is concerned, it's uh, few and far between. And to a large degree, this has occurred because of legislation which has been enacted which makes it exceptionally difficult for one to withdraw your labour. It's a criminal offence in this country to withdraw your labour from work uh, unless you're involved in some type of enterprise bargaining agreement, period. And then you've got to go through this formalities. But more importantly, there are a lot of laws have been passed, especially local laws and state laws, which make it very difficult for people to actually mobilise and to protest. And that's why the Wednesday Action Group was formed in Melbourne in 1999. I mean, the Wednesday Action Group, you know, is involved in a number of issues. But the most important aspect of the Wednesday Action Group is they actually claim, they claim, that space, that public space to articulate their ideas directly to the public. It's about claiming your rights, claiming your liberties, exercising those rights, exercising those liberties. And if you don't exercise those rights and liberties, nothing will happen. So if you find yourself in a position where you can't mobilise people. For example, 
The Resist Murdoch's Minion Group has been active now for 18 months. And it was based on a very simple concept. The Murdoch Media, which sets attempts to set the political agenda in this political, social and cultural agenda in this country, is basically a 24 carat leaner. I mean, these people received an $868 million tax refund in 2013 and they continue to pay voluntary taxation. Foxtel, the other arm of, uh, you know, 21st century Fox, the other arm of uh, Murdoch's uh, interests in this country, less than 1% taxation, and they do it legally because of this country's taxation laws. Although Murdoch and uh, 21st century uh, Fox and uh, Murdoch Corporation have actually, News Corporation have been placed on an Australian tax office watch list, we'll find that they'll continue to get away with what they're doing. And despite organising repeated protests outside their headquarters in Melbourne, at 40 City Road, Melbourne, and I'll talk about that later on, over the last 18 months, it is difficult to mobilise more than 30 or 40 people on each occasion to highlight what's actually happening. What's happening, not actually happening, what's happening in this country where corporate Australia pays voluntary taxation. So the idea of PIBC, public interests before corporate interests, a political party. The whole purpose of PIBC is to encourage people to come together who believe that in this country we should be putting the public interests before corporate interests. To come together, to work together in a political party which may have more success more success in the short term and the long term than actions which uh, people have been taking for decades more success in actually highlighting to people what's happening in this country today so if you despair about what's happening and you want to join a new political party and we need at least 500 members in order to register that political party and why political party? It's very simple. Those of you who listen to this program over the years have heard me rail against the way independents are treated by the political system. I mean, if you run as an independent in the Senate in this country two people run as an independent as a group, you have a little box above the line, but you're not allowed to have the word independent next to your name. Illegal. But if you, uh, you know, it's illegal. So having a registered political party gives you two advantages. One, in the political process. One, it allows a name to be put next to the box on the ballot paper public interest before corporate interest. So it gives people an idea of what you stand for. And two, you don't have to go through the hoops every time in order to nominate people for election. So we aim to register PIBSI before the end of the year. And why before the end of the year? Because at the end of the year, there'll be major changes to the electoral laws which will make it impossible for small political parties to actually uh, register because I understand that membership numbers will be 
increasing up to 2,000. So we do have this little hiatus, this little hiatus of time over the next three to four months, June, July, August, to get those 500 members and going. So, you know, if you want to join PIBC, there's a number of ways. You can look at the website, pibci.net. You can, uh, you know, you can look at the website. You can uh, ring us on 0439 395489 and you can write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. Look for the uh, Facebook page, PI, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests. You want to get involved in the discussion on the <coughs> Facebook page? Get involved. But... Um, you know, there are options, and I think it's important that we explore all legal options available to us to derail the current deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation train. Put out your foot, derail the train. Because we are in a fascinating situation in this country today. Fascinating. At no time since Federation, at no time since Federation, since the beginning of the 20th century, has the gap between the amount of money that goes to wages in comparison that goes to shareholders, especially major shareholders, ever and owners ever been wider. And that's because we have a political system which is dominated by unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental costs for their major shareholders. There is no such thing as a good corporate citizen. It doesn't exist, even if they tell you in advertising, which is the big thing these days, telling us how wonderful our corporate citizens are. Their major responsibility is not to their customers. Their major responsibility is not to the nation state. Their major responsibility is not to the people of this country. Their major responsibility is not to the government of the day. Their major responsibility is to make ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders. That is their role. Everything else is collateral. That's what it's about. Everything else is collateral. That's their major responsibility. So, we now have a situation where our elected political representatives almost to a man and a woman are putting the interests of unaccountable corporation before the interests of the people they represent. And that has occurred for a, because when you're pre-selected for a seat for a major political party, your major responsibility is to promote that party's political platform, not look after the interests of the people that you represent. And that's the problem. So, 
As we see the federal government gear up for the next federal election, it's interesting. They talk about scraping the barnacles from the ship. And they're beginning to scrape the barnacles from the ship. Now, those of you who've got a long memory may remember the 2004 election. When the tamper came over the horizon, it threw a lifeboat, lifebuoy, to Mr John Howard and the Liberal National Party. And they played the refugee card for all it's worth and continue to play the refugee card for all it's worth in order to be re-elected. When shit hit the fan in 2007, when Mr Rudd became Prime Minister, we had the intervention. That's right. The intervention which continues to have profound effects in the Northern Territory. We had the intervention. The armed forces went on to Indigenous communities in order to restore order. You like it? So what do we have in... 2015 because what we've got to look at is we've got to look at the long game not the short game what do we have the Liberal National Party is making a mess of the economy and they're making a mess of the economy which used to be their trump card for one very good reason because they to a man and woman are there to promote the interests of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. And as we saw in the 2014 budget, as we just seen in the 2015 budget, the people who will bear the greatest costs are those with the least. And the people who are untouched, who are not asked to flip a coin into the community coffer, are those with the most. We have seen no attempts to modify, let alone get rid of negative gearing. What other country in the world gives people a tax advantage? That's right, a tax advantage for owning two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, a hundred homes and renting them out, while not assisting people getting their first home, not even allowing them to release a little bit of their superannuation for a deposit on their first home. Extraordinary. No moves. Then when you look at superannuation, $20 billion of lost revenue every year, minimum of $20 million. Some people say up to $40 billion of lost revenue every year. For the 10% of Australians who can afford to salt away their money in these generous superannuation schemes and get their old age pension at the same time, all legal. No moves afoot by the Liberal National Party to change superannuation. Then we look at the taxation system. It's all very well to say the tax office is looking at uh, 21st Century Fox and News Corporation and the other 24 carat leaners in our society. But where's the staff? The tax office was gutted Over 20% of people were laid off in the last two to three years, gutted of its corporate memory. So it's all very well for Mr Hockey to make the right noises, but no legislation is planned to be introduced to ensure the corporate sector pays their fair share of tax, their 28.5% company tax. They don't. They don't. And over the last three to four months, we've been regaled with stories of some of the biggest names in this country paying voluntary taxation. And Mr Murdoch 
getting a eight hundred was it sixty eight million dollar tax refund in two thousand and thirteen. We've been regaled by these stories and no riots in the streets, minimal protests, a little bit of tut tut. Treasury refuses to comment. The opposition worried about commenting in case they'll get uh, upset. So, as the next election is coming up, you've got three enemies. We've actually got four. You've got the Liberal National Party, as they're basically servants for the corporate sector. Then you've got the corporate-owned media, and to a lesser degree, the government guild at ABC, who are basically batting for the Liberal National Party. And then, on top of that, on top of that, you've got Corporate Australia, which will use every trick in order to keep its golden hoard. Just extraordinary. So what do you do? You can go out once a month like we do, and like we will be doing this Friday, the next Friday, I should say, the... uh, 5th of June, you know, outside the uh, headquarters of the uh, Murdoch Media in Melbourne. As I've encouraged people across the country to do the same in their part of the world, although we haven't heard of anybody else doing it. You know, it's always a thing. Or maybe, maybe we can put our toe in the uh, political waters because whichever way we go, whichever way we go, it is exceptionally difficult in this country to make headway because of the political duopoly that we have. And it's a political duopoly which is based on an understanding that corporate capitalism is the best thing since sliced bread. And the Labor Party may want to make a few cosmetic changes, but when it comes to making putting public interest before corporate interests, it's not going to happen. So, I encourage you to have a look at PIBCI, P-I-B-C-I dot net. I encourage you. Haven't got a computer? Give us a ring. We'll send you an application form. It's one thing complaining and being one of the going to try, one of the somebody should be do something about that tribe. There's nothing actually doing something about it. So the whole purpose of the anarchist world this week is not only to educate people and open people's eyes about what's happening in this country today, but it's really about encouraging people to become involved in political, social, cultural activity to make a difference. Because every, every major and minor change that has occurred in this country has occurred because people like you are willing to take action to make a difference. And what's happening today is that politics has been reduced to the exercise of casting a ballot every three to four years. That's what it is. And it's interesting to see that direct democracy, sorry, that parliamentary democracy, parliamentary rule itself is coming under increasing questioning all over the European sphere. And there are movements from Iceland to Greece, 
to Spain, to Portugal, to Italy, which are beginning to gain traction, which are based on the idea of putting the public interest, the people's interest, the public interest, before the interests of unaccountable corporations. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can, uh, you can go to the website, anarchistmedia.org. You can go to the PIBCI website, pibci.net. So um, think about it. Think about joining. Uh, it's up to you, obviously, at the end of the day, what you do. But think about joining. Now, we do have a few interesting things about PIPC. We do accept me- uh, members who are members of other political parties. We do accept members who are not on the electoral roll. We do accept members who are residents or even here on 457 visas. We accept all people who believe that each and every one of us has inalienable rights which no government can legislate away and no corporation can strip away. And we believe that public interest should always be put before corporate interests. And this type of political party can look at any issue, any issue, litmus test. Is it in the public interest for this to occur? Is it in the public interest for marriage equality to be a reality? Is it in the public interest to have voluntary euthanasia? Is it in the public interest to allow a few corporations to dominate the economy of this country? Is it in the public interest to strip away long-held rights? Is it in the public interests that we continue to deny the effects of climate change? Is it in the public interest that we deny the impact human beings are having on the climate in this country? Is it in the public interest to build necessary infrastructure? It is in the public interest to build a railway, you know, a um, pedestrian crossing in such and such a street. So it is a political movement which is not issue-based. There are many movements in this country which are issue-based, and they're issue-based because people believe that change is impossible. You can't find City Hall. Change is impossible, so people concentrate on an issue. I'm not saying their issue isn't important, but what I'm saying is we need political parties that go beyond single issues. So this is something that we are looking at. So if you want to come on board, come on board. If you don't want to come on board, that's fine. That's up to you. But uh, don't complain. Please don't complain. You know, you don't want to be a cringing, carping consumer. You want to be a citizen who's willing to exercise what few rights they have and extend and expand those rights. There is nothing to fear than fear itself. 
Right. Now, let's look at the strategy. I was going to talk about that before, but I got sidelined. You get sidelined when you're talking to people, as you know. Let's look at strategy. What is the strategy? As I said, Howard had the tamper and the intervention. Abbott had refugees, you know, demonised them, shut them away, little islands, ignore them, humiliate them, wait them out. I mean, there's, there's nothing a bit more disgusting, wasn't it, when the Prime Minister was asked about the Rohingyas and the Bangladeshis on the high seas, whether we would resettle anybody. Nope, 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 nope. And then to say, um, we don't want to resettle people because it'll encourage people to take to the boats and then they may die in the ocean. You think to yourself, what hypocrisy? But that, that's another issue. So refugees are really off. You know, they're there, but they really haven't got the punch they used to have as an electoral positive. Haven't got that punch, have they? Trade unions, well, they've been contained, haven't they? Although these pesky trade unions are now organising marginal seat campaigns and they're starting now. Pesky trade unions, but they've basically been contained, legislated out of existence. So the trade union bogey in an era when governments and corporations and businesses are removing rights that people have enjoyed for generations, you know, they're not on the nose anymore. Although the Murdoch media would love to see every trade union in this country disbanded, but they're on the nose. So they're not the big political advantage, the big political sledgehammer the Liberal Party, Liberal National Party has been able to use in the past. So we've got Indigenous Australians, well, you know, the intervention didn't actually rock off as good as it could and then all this scurrying and carrying on about the closure of Indigenous communities in Western Australia, you know, it's just, again, it's not that big political trump card which the Murdoch media would like it to be. So we've got trade unions, you know, no political trump card. Refugees, well, you know, climate change, well. So Mr Abbott and his little men and women have been looking around for an issue, something to scare us all. And national security is the issue of the day. Now, you know my opinion about Islamic State and the rest of the religious fundamentalist goons that, you know, roam the planet telling you that their religion is the only true religion and then cutting off your head or your hands or whatever if you don't agree. I mean, I'm not saying they're not a threat. It's not about something being a threat, but it's a matter of how that threat is faced. And what the current government is doing is using the issue of people's fear of indiscriminate violence, which is a very, very minimal risk to bolster their current political fortunes. Because if you talk tough on national security, if you create this climate of personal insecurity, if you fan the flames of insecurity, it gives you a political advantage because people tend to 
gravitate towards the strong daddy leader who can actually protect them. Protect them from the evil nasties. So you can actually see, you can see how the government's mind is thinking and how the ALP is thinking, how they don't want to be outflanked on the issue of national security. And you'll find that everything the Liberal National Party proposes, the ALP, as they did after 9-11, will rubber stamp. Bang, 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 bang. So national security becomes the issue. They would like it to become the issue. They'd like you to forget the issues that have a more profound impact on you and your family and friends. And what are these issues that have a profound impact? Obviously, if you're involved in a national security situation, it does have a profound impact on you as an individual and those around you. But it is not something that every Australian faces. But what are the threats that every Australian faces that nobody talks about? One, if you're on social security benefits, the threat of having those benefits whittled away the threat of losing those benefits, the threat of tightening up the screws so hard that people cannot actually access benefits when they need them. That is a greater security threat than any national security threat that's on the horizon. Then there's the insecurity of work. I mean, most people are not independently wealthy. Most people need to work to pay their bills in an era of increasing unemployment especially part-time irregular work the insecurity of not having the income to meet your financial obligations becomes a real issue for everybody so if you are in the workforce the fact that after 10, 15, 20 years you can be tapped on the shoulders and shown the door and you've got Buckley's and none of getting another job or maybe you can fall into a little bit of part-time work or some retraining garbage is a real issue. The issue of job security, the issue of decent work is important. And this is an issue that nobody really looks at because in Australia you have two options, three options as far as employment is concerned. You can be self-employed, you can work for a boss, or you can work for a government instrumentality at a local, state or federal level. Why don't we see the creation of a movement, or why don't we see money, seeding money, being becoming available to set up cooperatives and collectives? Nobody becomes rich in a cooperative or collective, but at least you can produce goods and services which are of use locally and actually pay your bills. So there's no discussion about alternative means of employment. None whatsoever. So job security, huge issue. Another issue, health. We've taken health for granted in this country for a long time. But things are a-changing. Things are a-changing. The two-tier health system is becoming an everyday reality. And do you know that in this country, 
doctors who bulk bill are being punished. That's right, punished. For the next four years, the government refuses to increase the bulk billing rate, even to the level of inflation for the next four years. In the last 20 years, the rebate that doctors who bulk bill receive has been decreasing in real value. And now it's not unusual in many suburbs to find no bulk billing doctors, to find that you need to fork out 75 80 bucks for a standard 15-minute GP consultation and you get half of that back if you're lucky, usually about 43%. But there's no sanctions on doctors who charge like wounded bulls but there are sanctions on doctors and medical clinics that bulk bill. They are being punished for providing easy, accessible, free health care by the federal government. So what we are seeing is the death of the universal nature of the health care system where people can actually receive care irrespective of how much money is in their pockets. We are seeing the creation of what's called a two-tier health system. You can access the best health that money can buy or you make do with the rest. So where's the revolt about the fact that we are seeing the destruction of one of the most important reforms in this country since Federation, the universal of univer- the introduction of universal health cover in 1973 by the much maligned Whitlam Labor government, a reformist government. So there's the insecurity of access to health and there's the insecurity of old age. The pension doesn't really support people, especially those Australians who never really were able to squirrel away the money to buy their own home. So if you're on a Social Security benefits, it's not unusual to need 50 to 60 to 65 and even 70% of your income on your Social Security benefit in order to keep a roof over your head, which doesn't leave very much for gas and electricity and medications and transport, and the list goes on and on. And in the land of milk and honey... There's over 1.5, sorry, over 2.5 million people, 10% of the population, living in abject poverty, never having the opportunity to escape. And more importantly, their children not having the opportunity because then you have the insecurity of education. Much greater insecurity than uh, national security. We now have a situation when people get a university degree and they've got debts which they carry for decades which stops them saving that money they require for a deposit on a home. The list goes on and on. We have children who are going to schools which don't even have the staff or the infrastructure to provide a basic education. While there are children in this country 
who go to schools which are subsidised by the taxpayer. That's right, you and me, the taxpayer, who have access to anything and everything they like. Again, this is in the land of milk and honey. So there's that insecurity of access to education, whether it's at a primary, secondary or tertiary or even post-degree level. Insecurity. Insecurity as far as employment is concerned. Insecurity as far as access to health care is concerned. Insecurity as far as access to public education is concerned. And then, irrespective of whether you take public transport or use a car, think of the insecurity that's occurring now where you're spending three hours a day, maybe four hours a day, using public transport to get to and from work. Hmm? So there are huge issues. That is the insecurity of climate change. While the rest of the world, you know, is making an effort to address the question of climate change, you have a government that appoints a climate change advisor who believes it's all a lot of hot air, a lot of garbage. When the facts tell you differently. So while the rest of the world is running away from a coal-fired economy, we keep stoking up the coal furnaces. So you've got the insecurity of climate change. So there are many issues which face us as individuals, as communities, as a nation-state. Many issues. Many issues. Then there's the issue of economic insecurity I can assure you as housing costs continue to bubble especially in the major capital cities that if interest rates went up to 5, 10, 15, 20 15, 10, 15% there'd be tens of thousands of people who'd find themselves looking for alternative accommodation as they get evicted from their homes so there's that insecurity that although you're paying off a mortgage you continue to have to pay off that mortgage because the gap between the amount of time you need to spend to pay off a home and the amount of time you need to work is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in the 60s you could pay off a single wage earner could pay off a mortgage in 7 years today it's more like 25 years then there's the economic insecurity when you turn to lenders whether it's the banks or the uh, you know these other little lenders that like to you know charge 20% interest 23% interest legally when you're living off your credit cards where you find the threat of bankruptcy so insecurity is an issue insecurity is an issue. Every day it is an issue. So let's not get seduced by this the holy grail of national security. Fine. There is the concept of national security. But there's also the concept of individual security. And that individual security has been undermined by the neoliberal bandwagon the deregulation bandwagon what's deregulation? all it means is they remove rules and laws which protect people simple you remove those rules and laws you allow 
employers to do what they like. Deregulation, great, great political mileage out of that. Then you've got corporatisation. What does that mean? Well, it means when you've got two or three or four corporations dominating a particular level of industry. We've spoken about this. For example, you try to find an independent hardware shop in 2015. You try to find an independent uh, pet shop. You try to find an independent even corner store or an independent GP medical clinic. They're becoming fewer and far between as large corporations move into the market and dominate a particular marketplace. And that means that the power you're actually able to exercise in the marketplace reduces. So there are there is insecurity at many, many levels. And we theoretically live in a land of uh, milk and honey, God's own country. Well, maybe God's own country for a few people, but it's not God's own country for many people. And it's just this little glue, little glue of actually having a job. But that's the way it is. Listen to the anarchist world this week. Or is it? Or is it? Is this the way it's going to be for the rest of eternity? Or is it, or is change possible? What is history but a march forward? Sometimes you go into a cul-de-sac. Sometimes you march out of that cul-de-sac and march forward. That's what history teaches us. History teaches us that it's only when people take action, whether it's political action or direct action, it's only when people take action that those in authority listen. That's when they listen. If you don't take action, nobody listens. And the neoliberal bandwagon continues to be heralded. It's just extraordinary. Extraordinary. And I I say this every week, but 25 million people living on a continent. It's just extraordinary what's happening in this country today. And we have allowed it to happen because our political representatives fear their corporate masters, the parliamentary kingmakers, more the parliamentary puppet masters, more than they fear the people they represent because of the nature of our political system. So, what do we do? Do we allow them to continue to roll back the gains that we as a people have made over the last 120 115, 115 years? Do we really allow them to roll back those gains that were made since Federation? Do we allow them to make us strangers in our own land? Do we allow them to continue to dominate the political, cultural and social sphere? Do we allow them to rob us blind, which they do on a regular basis, legally? So, what do you do? Do you sit back, wait for a better day, hoping against hope there will be a better day, or do you uh, take it forward? Well, the ball's in your court. It really is, and this is how every anarchist world this week finishes the ball is in your court 
I've hit the ball over the net. It's kind of coming towards your head. You can either hit it back or you can catch it and do something with it. Because ultimately the type of society we live in ultimately depends on your participation in the political social process. Not just in terms of casting a ballot every three to four years, but in terms of becoming involved in political, social, cultural organisations which provide alternatives. So, you can listen in every week. While I've got breath, I'll be broadcasting. Before they chuck me out, while they chuck me out. While I've got breath, I'll be broadcasting. But there's no point broadcasting. No point. I mean, the anarchist world this week is not about me. It's about you. So, ball's in your court. You can join Pipsy, prbci.net. You can look at our website, anarchistmedia.org. There are many things which we organise, which you can see on the website. Please get involved. You can join us on Marbo Day next week if you're in Melbourne. 12, 12 noon, Federation Square, corner of Flinders and Swanson Street. Celebrate a very important day in the life of this country. You can, you can, you know, next Friday you can join us outside the Herald and Weekly Times building. We'll be congregating at Federation Square. But um, as I said, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. Yes, I will eventually return the call. Leave a message. may not be able to do it today, but hopefully I'll do it tomorrow. 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Yes, we still receive lots of letters every week. We must be an old-fashioned organisation. The last few weeks we've been receiving more letters than emails. Extraordinary. Maybe it's because we cull the emails we don't like. But you can't cull a letter because people have spent the time sending you a nice little letter and you can respond to it. It's amazing how the 40% of Australians who are not using computers have kind of been frozen out of the life of this country. Well, here at the Anarchist World this week, we don't freeze you out if you don't use computers. We cheer on. So write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And if you must, you can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. Or you can go to the Pipsy website. You can go to the Pipsy Facebook page, the Wednesday Action Group Facebook page. Extraordinary things they tell me are happening in the virtual world. But I don't actually see much happening in the virtual world except people talking to each other and feeling good about talking to each other. Well, a little bit like listening to radio and then going off and doing something else. Doing the laundry, cutting the lawn, going back to work. Okay, listen to the Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. This program has been broadcast by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at, as I said, anarchist. You can go to the website, anarchistmedia.org. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 
10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds.